Welcome to another episode of What Does It Take? This is episode number eight. We are now featuring Rachel Delmar. She is a Wheeling High School current senior class of 2021. Uh, Rachel is a musician among many, many other things. Rachel, how's it going today? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Um, so Rachel, uh, Mr. Malik. Uh, kind of gave me your information about he thought you'd be a good person to have on. What, uh, so wh why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what your big interests are right now? Yeah, so um, my name is Rachel, like Mr. Karen said. Um, I, most people know me for playing the clarinet. I've been playing the clarinet for nine years now. Um, so it's one of my biggest hobbies and I actually want to end up double majoring with clarinet performance along with hopefully public policy or international relations in college. Um, so those are my current interests right now. Wow, that's, that's intense stuff. Um, so clarinet for nine years, you are a senior. So what does that mean? You started what, in sixth grade or fifth grade? I, I started that. playing in fourth grade. Uh, fourth grade. Yeah, my cousin is a world-class violinist and, you know, being musically inclined, I wanted to follow in his footsteps. Wow. So what, what does world-class violinist mean? What does he, does he play for like, a, like, like some national, you know, world-renowned orchestra or something or? Yeah. So he was, um extremely involved with the violin in high school. He got into some really well-known music camps and programs like Interlochen, uh, first chair in um, his youth orchestra for I don't know how many years. Um, and then he was planning, he was thinking about majoring in music, but he's also extremely smart and went to this special um, school. Um, so he ended up uh, going to Stanford and double majoring in biology on a pre-med track with also uh, computer science and now he works at Google but on the side he is still an, a, a fantastic violinist and takes lessons with a professor at one of the best music schools in the country New England Conservatory and is in the Boston Phil um, and it's usually pretty difficult to get in top orchestras without like musical like training some type of degree, but he's still in it, which is incredible. Wow, that is incredible. That's, that's, uh, sounds like quite an incredible journey your cousin has had. Um, sounds like he's been a big inspiration on you. Um, so is he the only person that, that is also a musician in your family or is there other musicians? No, he was, he was the only one. <laughs> he's the only one. Okay. Now I have to um, come clean here, Rachel, you are the first person, I'm the head wrestling coach at Wheeling. You are the first person on the podcast that is not a wrestler. And um, I reached out to a lot of coaches and a lot of teachers because I want this podcast to kind of connect with all kids and with all people in the school, in our community. And um, I have no real background in music. I had to take piano lessons for two years. And from the first piano lesson to the last one, I begged to quit my parents. Um, so music was not something that I'm super, have a big background in. However, my, uh, and not something I thought about a lot. My wife is a um, musical theater actress. She has a degree in musical theater. She's an excellent singer. So she really gets music and she's really introduced me to the world of 
not necessarily like music, but understanding the process of learning how to be a musician, the process of learning how to be excellent in the arts. And um, it's been a really cool journey for me with her to learn about those things and learn about other people and other ventures, because my background is really in athletics. And it's just really cool to hear those stories because when, when you get, I don't know, for me, I just think about my thing all the time, right? Is when I was in high school. And uh, as you get older, you learn that anyone who's passionate about something goes through, everyone kind of goes through the same process of development. And some, there's peaks and valleys. You have to work super, super hard. Um, so tell us a little bit about maybe your journey thus far in playing the clarinet. Yeah. So like I said, I started in fourth grade. Um, I wasn't actually, I played the clarinet and I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't, when I first started out, I was like, I'm either playing the violin or the flute because my cousin played the violin and the only other instrument I knew was the flute. So I tried the violin. I wasn't very good at it. So I was like, oh, huh. So I tried the flute and I couldn't get a noise out of it. So then I tried the clarinet and it just seemed like a perfect fit. I, you know, my first try even, I like sounded better than the rest of the people who also tried. It just seemed like it'd be a good fit. So I tried that and then not even a year after playing, I, I, I loved it. Uh, my, you could hear my annoying practicing every day for my room. Um, I, I fell in love and even as like a small, tiny fourth grader who doesn't know what will happen in the future. I knew that I wanted to do something with music. Um, and early on, I started doing all these things that typical young musicians wouldn't do. I started going to these uh, summer camps, doing solo ensemble, doing all these stuff. And I, I just really fell in love. So in fifth grade, going on to six, I actually started playing the saxophone. I did not like it. I quit two years later because I wanted to make sure I uh, prioritized clarinet. Uh, that's how much I loved it. I didn't want anything else getting the way from distracting me from being my best at clarinet. So in sixth grade, sixth and seventh grade, I played saxophone in band, but I didn't want to give up clarinet. So on the side, I did all my private lessons on clarinet. I uh, did I got into the top band I was the only person and the youngest person who went to the Illinois Youth Summer Band Program camp from MacArthur Middle School and I was the only one who got into the top band that year um, and that really awakens me because there's these older kids and we, I was playing really hard music as a sixth grader and it was just I knew from there like I, I have something um, I am, I am, have a talent that, and I am good at it because a sixth grader being this top band with like high schoolers even, is just kind of like crazy. Um, so from there, I continue to work even harder. I made districts and all state seventh and eighth grade. Uh, and I continue to go to summer camps. And then starting in high school, I made the top band my first year at Wheeling and then I was third chair in the top band my freshman year. Uh, I continue to work hard. I was a member, I am a member of the Midwestern Artists Conservatory. I've been a member of that since my eighth grade year. 
Um, it's kind of like a music school type thing. Uh, conservatory is um, high level music school. So I go there every Saturday. I do chamber music, which is just like small ensembles, three to five people usually. And then I have orchestra rehearsals for two or three hours. There's music theory, there's all this stuff. So I've been doing that since um, for five, or five years now. Um, I just continue to do a bunch of music things to help me grow. Again, I continue to do summer programs. I take auditions when I get the chance. I've made regionals. I've made all-state level ensembles. I'm currently in the um, Illinois All-State Musical, which is pretty cool. It's not in person, but still a good experience. Sure. Wow. Sounds yeah. like you've had a ton of really positive experiences. And earlier on, when as you were kind of going through some of these awesome achievements, you were kind of saying, well, early on, I started kind of having some success. And that sparks this kind of explosion of, well, I want to do more and I'm going to take more private lessons. I'm going to spend more time doing this. And I think that's very common with people that are often, I don't want to say everyone that's successful, but everyone that kind of has a, um, has some sort of aptitude or, or passion for something. There is some moment where it could be as little as maybe just making a band you know what I mean? Like making the team or it could be winning some big uh, uh, competition that sparks them to then really, really get into it. And it sounds like that happened with you as well. Um, and you're talking a lot about some really awesome things um, that you've done, which is really cool to hear. And it's cool to hear a, about a Wheeling High School student who is just all in on something. Um, what are some of the things, maybe some of the valleys that you've had, some of the low points that you've had to overcome? Yeah, so being a musician is definitely full of hardships. Uh, there's going to be ups and downs. Some of my biggest um, hardships that I've experienced is there's something called ILMEA. It's um, basically districts um, and then your ILMEA audition. It's a one-time audition. It's also your all-state audition. Um, and I have pretty bad anxiety, which causes me to do pretty bad at auditions. And I also do not have the best teacher for most of my clarinet career who taught me some pretty bad habits. So I did not make ILMEA um, my freshman or sophomore year. Granted, my sophomore year, my clarinet did break in the middle of the audition and I did have a panic attack. Sure. But um, that's besides the point. I didn't make it the past two years and I ended up switching teachers the second time I made it. But I, every time the results usually take less than 24 hours to come out. Freshman year, I left school early. Once I found out, I found out during the school day, I cried. I sat in my home bed all day, just sobbing because I thought I could make it and I didn't. And I just thought, you know, why did you even try if I can't even make regionals? Um, and a little context. Um, there's like different districts around Illinois. And since we're the Chicagoland area district, we're the hardest district to get into. Like I could, um, you could have like basically everyone in district seven is at the same level as the rest of the state. So you could be like last chair in district seven, which is our district and still like be uh, more to the state or something. Yeah, be one of the best in the state compared to the people who actually make state, mm -hmm. um, which is, it's okay. It's 
it's a struggle yeah. being district seven, but I didn't make it my freshman or sophomore year. And again, my sophomore year, I would say even had a worse reaction because I thought I could finally make it. I stayed home the entire day. I was just moping around. I wanted to quit clarinet. I, it was just horrible. Um, and I was like that for a while because I was getting made fun of by my peers who played clarinet saying, oh, you didn't make ILMEA. Oh, you're not going to all state, all that stuff. And I just thought like, all my friends are making it like I'm I'm not good I can't do it um so those are just really low points that I just wanted to quit but I eventually I got over it and I I started working even harder I switched teachers she really pushed me and I've been I've really been improving since and I ended up making it last year so. wow that's great that's awesome yeah those the low points you know they're always there for everyone no matter how great you are or how good you become um, there's always those low points that everyone has, um, and they're important to to building. They're important to growing and, and becoming better. Um, you mentioned kind of a teacher that you had had that was make developing bad habits. I kind of wanted to delve into that a little bit. What you meant by bad habits? Do you mean like bad technical habits as far as being a musician, or bad habits from a mental approach? Because it sounds like that's something that the mental approach has been a challenge for you. Um, I would say d I would lean more towards of like fundamentals and stuff like that. Um, there's a correct like uh, mouth position we call the embouchure, um, and it influences basically your entire clarinet sound, um, and your tone and intonation and everything. And you know, I was getting a decent sound, but in my but my embouchure is completely wrong. Um, and if I fixed it, I could have a such, like an amazing sound and such a better like improvement in the quality of it. Well, since my sound was like, okay, like mm -hmm. it, it wasn't a problem. She said, uh -huh. we don't need to turn on by embouchure. You sound fine. But I didn't realize that fixed my embouchure. I'm sure. actually working on it could have such an improvement. And then I developed pretty bad hand position from her where the time I came my teacher, my new teacher, that if I continued playing like that, I probably could not play clarinet again. It was very damaging my hands. Um, and then she taught me like really bad things like um, raise your shoulders for high notes. No, I, there's a bunch of things she taught me that you just don't do. Sure. Yeah. It sounds like kind of like, hey, here's a way to cheat to get away with it. Or, oh, you've built, built some bad habits, but you're so good. You're kind of getting away with it. Let's not adjust. And I think as being a coach now, I see things like that and it's hard. It's usually hard to get kids out of those habits because they're, it's usually the coach saying your fundamentals are off. We need to, you need to really focus on your fundamentals and a kid kind of more being like, but I'm getting away with it. It's working. So I'm just going to keep doing it. And they have to wait till they kind of hit the wall where they get to a point where they're not getting away with it anymore because the, competition is so high um, and it sounds like kind of maybe you would have made those adjustments had you had a teacher that was kind of focusing on hey we we, we have to really focus on our fundamentals because you're going to get it at such a level that this is going to catch up with you and that wasn't happening um, so that's that's an interesting thought you also brought up having a lot of anxiety um, so you know on this podcast, I talk a lot about the mental approach to just kind of competition in general. Um, so where do you think that anxiety comes from? Do you think it has to do with 
actually being a musician or is it something else? Um, there's kind of two parts to it. One, I, I am diagnosed with like anxiety and I do take medication for it and it runs in my family. But uh, on the other side, being a musician is an extremely competitive thing. You wouldn't realize that um, from an outside, like an outsider standpoint, you would think, oh, like these classical like music nerds, like they don't compete for anything they just play. But in reality, music, especially when we're doing like our uh, district state is an extremely competitive thing. Um, musicians can get pretty crazy when it comes to competing with each other I've heard stories of people cutting up each other's reads so they can't go to their audition um they are just mean out there and that's where it stems from I again when I didn't make Iron Me my two years uh the people at Wheeling none of this is related to people at Wheeling the people at Wheeling are nice and supportive it's the people from my conservatory and people from my know um who play clarinet outside of school if I didn't make it they were extremely rude to me they would tell me I'm bad they told and then say all that stuff and when I'm told I'm you know bad I can't do things you know that really causes more anxiety and more pressure for me to succeed at these auditions so a lot of it comes from the competitiveness of music yeah sure you know a lot and and there's a lot of things like that and and certainly music is no different the arts are no different from a competitive standpoint than anything else business athletics all those other things that we talk about all the time politics um you know has there been a coach or a person in your life that's maybe given you some advice or some tips as far as far as a mental approach to be you know calming yourself down before an audition before a big performance yeah so i eventually uh my anxiety got so bad that I'm now seeing like getting help for it. And a person who really told me like, was actually like my therapist. Um, It's just like, you know, knowing how to cope with it. You can't constantly worry about what other people think. You can't, um, you know, focus on that. You have to worry about yourself. And if I know I'm good enough for that, if I know I'm trying my best, that's like, that's all that matters. So uh, she has really helped me understand like, other people, other people don't matter. It's, it's about myself that I don't need to worry about other people's like hate. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. And it's true in everything because it sounds like you're an excellent musician and, and maybe one of the best to come through, you know, Wheeling or district 214, um, definitely in that upper echelon. <clears throat> and as a wrestler and being really into wrestling, um, you know, uh, there's, I study a lot of those top world champion Olympic athletes. And what I've noticed is if they don't hit the absolute peak, anyone who doesn't right. And in, in my, uh, uh, specialty, it's, it's an Olympic gold medal. If they don't, if there's people, if they don't hit that, they think they weren't a success or that they, they were like, well, yeah, I was pretty good, but I wasn't you know, I wasn't what I wanted to be. So no matter how, and even people that do hit that win a gold medal, which there's probably 10 in the last 20 or 30 years, they're, they're not like, ah, I'm the best, you know, there is such a, a, an amount of humility and humbleness with those people. Cause they know that what they did was not normal. Um, that it's, 
almost impossible to get to, that it's, it's something that's extraordinarily difficult and that they were fo so focused on the process that the results kind of happened and they were kind of like, well, I expected it to happen and it did happen, but I was, I was just focused on getting better every single day. And I've, I've noticed that no matter how good you were at something, you're always kind of like, you're always reaching to be a little bit better if it's your true passion. And you're always kind of reaching and, and, you know, I hear people that did way better than I was as a wrestler. And I'm like, man, I would give anything to have kind of your resume and your results. And they're like, yeah, but I didn't get this next thing. And I didn't get to that next thing. So I think if you, the sooner you can come to terms with, I'm just going to keep reaching for the next thing. And I'm focused on the process. Often the more those things subside. And we see it in wrestling a lot because it's like, we always talk about, oh, it's this mano y mano one verse one kind of thing. And you can really get locked up because you get so nervous about winning and losing. Oh, if I don't win, if I don't win, if I don't win. But if you don't think about that, if you just think about, I'm going to give my best performance. I'm just going to give my best performance. And what this other person does, I can't control. I have no control over what this other person is going to be able to either do to me or be able to stop that I have you know, and kind of connects with music in the sense that I'm going to give my best audition. I'm going to give my best performance. And the person next to me, if they're better than me, they're better than me. And there's nothing I can do. Um, so those are, I guess, just my thoughts on, on that area. We talk about that in athletics all the time about just don't worry about winning and losing. Don't worry about it. It's so weird that when you don't think about winning and losing, you tend to do so much better than if you think I need to do, I need to, I just need to make this team or I need to win this match, you end up locking yourself up and you don't have good performance. So, you know, just another way that sports and, and, and music are, are very connected. Um, so kind of talked about some of that. So where does your confidence in being a musician come from? Where do you think that comes from, Rachel? Um, well, that's actually one thing I really struggle with is being confident as a musician. I have a lot, of, I've been offered a lot of like opportunities to perform for some pretty good um, clarinetists and like master classes. Um, I won't throw names out there because no one will know who they are except for probably me, but um, okay. <laughs> uh, so pretty well known clarinetists, but I didn't take those opportunities because in master class, um, style settings I'm not the only one playing there's an audience and I don't want people listening to me play I don't like it so I've take I've turned down a lot of opportunities to play for amazing clarinets I probably won't have the opportunity to do again um and I've turned down the opportunity to do a lot of camps and a lot of you know a lot of stuff because I I really do, I do lack confidence um again I mentioned why because the environment it's so competitive that I um I'm still I try not to not let in, people influence me but I, it does sure um, and I just don't I understand constructive criticism and like feedback uh but sometimes it just a lot of the some people just get way too harsh um and it really affects my confidence so I I definitely am still struggling with it um, and I, even at this point, I wouldn't say I, I do have a lot of uh, confidence because I, I don't really like playing in front of others in fear of uh, judgment. And yeah. Wow. Wow. That's, that's kind of 
shocking to hear because you have so many accomplishments and you've done so many great things. Um, you know, uh, that's, uh, that's kind of, that's kind of surprising to hear because you seem like a very confident young person, uh, having talked with you just a little bit in the, in the past and, and obviously throughout this conversation, um, what do you think maybe, I don't know even what you call, I, you know, like a, a band director or an orchestra director or, or a, a private teacher, what, what do you think they could do more of to help you build? Cause it sounds like the, this is what in sports we would call the mental side of things. Um, um, so there's the actual performance, there's the actual physical part, but then there's the mental part. What do you think um, your teachers could do to help you as far as maybe continuing to overcome this, these hurdles? Um, I, that's, that's a difficult question. I don't know. I can give like an example kind of. So in last year, uh, in band, we played a song or a piece called Redline Tango, and I was featured both on the B-flat clarinet and the E-flat clarinet. It was the most difficult piece I've ever played, and I was featured as a soloist, uh, especially on the E-flat clarinet, which I usually don't play. It was my first time really playing that. I had a bad E-flat clarinet, and I was a soloist, like, you could you could hear me uh, in this um, extremely hard song, and I was, it's, it was, it was very difficult and I was just so scared because we were playing this in front of a bunch of um, really great conductors and musicians and I've never really been featured as a soloist like that before with just really um, solos that stand out um, and on an instrument I usually don't typically play uh, and you know Mr. Malik was there along the entire journey just boosting me up with confidence like knowing that like I worked so hard to prepare those solos that you know the conductors um the guests uh coming to our band you know have praised me and said like good job just knowing that like the work I've done um has paid off and that people like musicians are always going to be hard on ourselves I could play something perfect from another person's viewpoint and still be like no I needed to do this my ear support was bad that high note out of tune like all that stuff um, and, you know, I'm critical always. And I get, I get told I'm too hard on myself all the time, especially when it comes to music, but Mr. Mal would be like, no, you sound good. Like they liked it and all that stuff, which really did help my boost my confidence instead of, you know, him being like, oh, you could have fixed that. Um, cause I, a person's always going to be more critical and picky of themselves than others will be on them. So Mr. Mal was always there, you know, helping me boosting my confidence, knowing that people, um, thought I was doing a good job that my hard work did pay off. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, that's great. You know, and it's, it's definitely one of the most difficult things about competing and performing is that mental side, the confidence, um, the nervousness, um, the concern of, of what others might think, um, definitely have experienced a lot of that stuff myself. Um, you know, I, um, I was talking to this, uh, coach this one time and my college coach and I was really disappointed with with something that had happened and I had you know lost a couple matches and was upset and you know he kind of was like he was a way better wrestler than I was uh he was a one of the best in the world you know one of those guys he was trying to be an Olympic 
Olympic champion. Um, and I never was close to that point. And he, he's like, Charlie, you, you got to give yourself a break. Just give yourself a break. Like you're not going to win everything. You know, where you're, you know, I was like a sophomore in college and he was like, just give yourself a break. It's okay. You know? And, um, he kind of gave me the speech and I use it all the times to this day. And he goes, um, I still care about you. No matter what happens out there, you could lose every match for the rest of your life. And I'm still going to care about you. I still think you're a great person and a great kid and give great effort. And, uh, and then he said something that was even more meaningful, which was like, your family's still going to love you. Your dad's still going to love you. Your mom's still going to love you. And this is all kind of irrelevant. Like the, the lessons you learn while you train and the fact that you go out and you give it your all, those are the most important things. And the people that really matter are not going to, um, are not going to like disown you because you didn't have, uh, your best performance. Um, you know, and, and that is something that I kind of repeat a lot today to my guys, especially when they get really frustrated, um, and, and start getting too nervous or too uptight, um, to perform at their best, which is just like, this is important, but in the, in the long run, it's really not super important. What's important is the process of trying to improve yourself and sticking to that. And, um, you know, I, I think in my just amateur opinion that you need to continue seeking out people that, that can make you feel and give you that kind of advice. Um, it sounds like that's the area you really, you're an excellent musician, an excellent performer, um, but working on giving yourself a break, remembering that, Hey, there's a lot of great people in my life and I've got a really, really great situation. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. Could be something that could help you out. Um, how do you get the most out of a, out of a training session for the clarinet or a rehearsal? Um, I think I'll just touch upon, I think by training, you probably mean practice session. Sure. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> yeah, Again, I'm not, I'm not a musician, so I've, I'm having trouble with some of the, uh, some of the vocab here, but that's all right. You can go ahead and correct me anytime. Yeah. So uh, I'll just touch upon my practice. So uh, was it like, wait, what was the question about again? How do you get the most out of it? Oh, okay. So, um, you know, warming up is, is key um, to like everything. I can't just go straight into playing my rep. I need to, you know, have a thorough warm up. Uh, actually in band, we had to, you know, tell our warm-up routine to everyone. And my warm-up routine is 45 minutes to an hour when everyone else's was like 10 minutes and people are making fun of me for doing a 45 minute warm-up. But in reality, like I know musicians who <laughs> do like an hour to two hours of a warm-up because um, you need scales, triads, um, you need chromatic stuff um long tone work uh you work on your trills um you do so many things in your warm-up um and it's that is essential to your playing um if i'm struggling on a passage in my rep i will make up something in my warm-up that will help me um do better and get be able to get the 
whatever I'm struggling in in my repertoire. So if I'm struggling with a trill, I will make up something um, to get that. And so I really, I start off with a, um, just a really thorough warm up, making sure I cover everything. And then if one day, you know, like I'm really not, um, I'm not really pleased. I'm not really liking how my altissimo is sounding. I will make sure to do an exercise that covers my altissimo register. Um, but I just, I need to make sure I start off with thorough warm up because I won't have a successful practice session without it. Um, and I overall will improve just from a warm up. If I don't have time to practice, I want to do, make sure I do the basics. So like scales and stuff. Um, so if I don't have time for a rep, I at least make sure I, I run through scales and long tone, tones each day. Um, and then that sets me up for the rest of my warm up, uh, my practice session. And then from there, I will go on to um, like the rep I'm working on, etudes, orchestral excerpts, um, stuff like that. And I don't like to practice too long. I know musicians who practice four to five hours a day, um, but I do have other hobbies other than music. So I don't have time to do that every day. Plus I'm in four APs in a college class, plus a job on the side. So I don't have time to do four or five hours a day. I also believe that four or five hours is going to take a toll on your embouchure and you will just get exhausted. Um, so I like two to three hours a day. Um, there are times where I don't get to practice some days though, but um, that's what I like. And, you know, just making sure, especially with my college auditions coming up, like learning all my rep and getting a good warm up in just to make sure my fundamentals are good. Because even if I'm 70 years old, I still need work on my fundamentals. Um, sure. Famous clarinetists so who are 80, like I worked at the clarinet who was 80, like last week, still working on the basics, doing scales for his warmups, doing the basics. Um, so it sounds like that the, you, you understand the key for you is, is a good warm up. It sounds like mentally there's part of, there's like a mental part of that, which we've been talking about a lot, which is like getting that warm up, doing a hard, good 45 minute long warm up. I hit all the things I need to hit. So I know I'm prepared when I actually get into the, the full practice. And then also you're hitting those fundamentals, 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 which is, is kind of the baseline of everything. Um, which is, uh, really awesome. And you, you, we've kind of gotten into, you have a lot of interests, like music is kind of how I heard about you and how we, we connected through Mr. Malik. But I've noticed uh, that you have a ton of things going on. Cause when we first tried to uh, set this up, I, we kind of, I looked at your, your class schedule and was like, Oh, it looks like you have a study hall. I'm off during that period. Let's set it up for that. And, and what do you do during your study hall? I'm a lit lab tutor. So you, so you're tutoring other students, you're in four AP classes and a college, so you're taking five college level classes and you also tutor other kids on the side. You practice two to three hours a day. Um, and I actually heard, I, I, I've seen your name now around the building is because I, I still walk through the building. You're involved in student council, right? No, I'm, um, you've probably seen my uh, picture for the National Society Board. Oh, maybe that's what I saw. Yeah, I uh, served as treasurer last year of National Honor Society or co-treasurer. Oh, that, yep, that's definitely what it was. Co-vice president right now. Wow. So, I mean, that's another, that's more responsibility, more things that take up time. Um, and I, it, it sounds like you have, you said you had a job. What job do you work right now? It's not really like a, like I get paid, but it's not, I'm not employed by anyone. I'm a freelance tutor. 
so I tutor, um, I don't know if you know where this is. It's a restaurant across from Buffalo Grove High School called Poke Hale. Um, it's a poke place. And um, I know the owners because my family goes there to eat too much and we get their food so like all the time. So they know us pretty well. And they know I actually have a tutoring organization and they know about that. And they asked me if I could help their, you know, tutor their son at the restaurant. And I'm there a lot anyways. And um, I was kind of hesitant at first because um, he's a third grader and I've never worked with someone yet that young before, but I, I love working with that kid. Um, highlight of my week. Sometimes I just go like, I'm not even getting like uh, pay because I just, I genuinely care for this kid and want to help him out and help him exceed in learning. So I tutor him twice a week for two hours. And then I also tutor um, two kids from MacArthur, um, usually every Sunday. Uh, we usually find time on the weekend, but two hours in the weekend, I tutor um, two kids from MacArthur. Wow. So you also, it sounds like kind of own your own business or run your own business to a degree, right? You have to organize all that. You have to charge people. You, you know, that's a, you know, that is a job and that's an important job. Um, and something that if you wanted, you could probably grow pretty well. Um, you know, but it sounds like you, you don't really have a ton of time to start trying to grow a tutoring business with everything else you've got on your plate. Um, I actually, I run a, maybe you've heard of it. I run a tutoring nonprofit organization called COVID Catch-Up Tutors. We partner with uh, the Tutoring in the Park every week. I send out tutors out there and I worked with, I've been running that for a few months now. And I have over, I believe I have 157 students and I have 90 something tutors to that organization. And I also plan college classes. We do art classes, story time classes, college wow. classes. And I've been running that for a while and that's been pretty um, successful. Wow. That is fantastic. That's crazy. So you kind of have like a tutoring business, a tutoring non-for-profit. You also tutor during your study hall and then you take all these other classes. You're a great musician, um, which is, it's really incredible because like I said, I'm an athlete, right? But I have a brother and a sister and my thing was like sports, right? My brother was into, he's a computer programmer now. He was always into computers. Um, and we were both like, I was a solid student because I, I played the game. I understood the game of school, which was do your homework, give a little bit of effort and you're going to get A's and B's. And that's pretty much how, how I ran through and SA or ACT, we took the ACT back then. It was like, fine. I was very okay. Nothing, uh, nothing very spectacular at all good enough to get into most schools um, that I, that I was willing to go to. My sister, on the other hand, was an academic. She really um, wanted to do well in school. Um, good at ACT and the amount of time she used to put into doing homework and outside of school classwork was pretty insane. And she probably had a similar schedule of years, like most, mostly AP classes, didn't really take anything that was very easy. Um, and it was just knowing the amount of time that it takes for your schoolwork. And then you're also doing an hour or two of practice of for, for music and then all this tutoring and, you know, there really is no spare time. Um, you know, I, I know my sister was way busier than I was and I was, you know, all I had was my wrestling thing and a little bit of effort in school. And like you were kind of alluding to as well, 
you, you can't train that much. You don't want to overtrain and hurt yourself. So, you know, wrestling, you could do like an hour and a half, two hours a day. And that was it. Um, so I know you must be incredibly busy. Um, how do you keep everything organized? How do you keep everything on track? Yeah. So I, I really struggled with that. It came to the point last year where I, um, I've missed a lot of school because I just couldn't maintain it. I was busier last year than I was now. Uh, but I was touch upon, um, one I did besides, um, sorry, my nose is running. Um, besides, you know, running my tutoring thing and doing clarinet, I also teach free clarinet lessons once a week. I still have my clarinet lessons, uh, twice a week. Um, I still, you know, have orchestra rehearsals on Saturday and Monday, marching band or concert band on Wednesday. Um, so, and I babysit two or three times a week as well so you know my schedule is pretty hectic and I do struggle with um you know keeping up with everything I admit I do have good grades but I really struggle to um get homework done and my teachers know that I'm extremely busy so I I'm really good at communicating with them and my counselor and everything but that's just, I tend not to put school first, uh, even though it should be because I, you know, to me, clarinet is first. To me, like all, helping others is first. I don't like to put, also school isn't necessarily my favorite thing. So I don't like to put it first. And a lot of times it causes me, um, I'm actually one of those right now to not be in the best situation where I'm extremely behind. Um, I need to see to learn to balance my time without like staying up extremely late because <laughs> I have a monster energy drink over there. Like I'm, I'm still working on it, like how to balance time better, but I'm, you know, my grades are fine. I'm, I'm alive. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, I'm, th I'm 32 years old, Rachel. I'm still trying to figure it out too. Um, you know, most people, I don't think ever perfect uh, the, the balancing act that is life. Um, so what pushes you to do all of these things that you have on your plate? Cause it just seems like it's more and more and more as we go through this conversation, I'm kind of like, Whoa, how is this girl doing all this? So wh what pushes you to do all these things? Um, at first it was just like, Oh my gosh, I need to get into a good college. I need to do all these things. Um, but then um, it more changed from the mindset of I'm only doing this again to college to I genuinely enjoy doing a lot of these things and um, I I like it and I want to do things I like. Um, I love tutoring the little boy I just told you about. I, I If I could, I would go over there every day because he wants me there every day and he gets sad when I'm not there. Um, I love playing in orchestra. I love playing in ensembles. Um, I do all stuff because I love it. Um, and, you know, of course, like you do need extracurriculars or college, but, you know, I have the grades to get into colleges. I, I do it because I like it. And I, I just, I love helping people. I love like playing in ensembles. Like I said, I love doing it, all these things that I do. If I didn't like it, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, and that's why I do so many things because I, I genuinely like it. If I didn't like these, I wouldn't be doing all of them. <laughs> well, that's great to hear. I was a little worried you were going to be like, well, I need to get into college. And I was going to be like, Rachel, I don't, <laughs> I think you're going to be just fine as far as getting accepted into college. It sounds like you're an excellent student, um, very well-rounded, and um, you have a thirst for, for learning. Um, 
and helping others, which is um, two, two incre incredibly great qualities that I think will continue to serve you throughout, um, throughout your whole life. Um, so that, that's awesome. Um, but definitely, you know, like, it's like we were talking about earlier, you know, it's okay to give yourself a break too. Um, for sure. You know, and keep that in mind. Uh, what advice do you think you would give yourself when you first were starting out? If, uh, if Rachel now could talk to fourth grade, Rachel. I was actually thinking about this yesterday. Um, I just, you know, all of my life, even in like middle school, I was like, I got to take these hard classes. I got to, I used to play sports, but I quit for clarinet. I got to do travel soccer. I got to do, uh, I did wheeling feeder basketball. Got to do all these things for college. I was thinking about college as a middle schooler. Like, no, I just needed to, I, I needed to have fun in middle school. I remember like, I'm, I'm having more fun now. My like my senior year, I'm being more a, a little more lenient on myself. I'm, um, you know, having fun. I'm had more fun like the first few months of this year than like my entire time in middle school. Um, I was just I was always that type of person who was really hard on myself who took on everything. And I just wish I as I was younger, you know, I decided to actually act like a kid when I was young. Um, even in sixth grade, like my old band director called me a lawyer because I was constantly running around place to place. Um, and I had this tight knit schedule, um, even as a sixth grader. Um, and I just wish I took more time for myself, you know, had fun because now I'm going to college next year and I can't say I've lived a good high school career. I didn't start having fun. I usually never hung out with friends on the weekend because I was so dedicated to my music and, um, doing homework and now this is the first year where I said I'm making time to hang out with friends on the weekends now I have I make myself hang out with a friend once every weekend and now I just wish I did that as a younger kid where I had more opportunities you know have fun and just like live my life sure. um, instead of worrying about college as like a seventh grader like that was so stupid and I should have you know took a chance hung out with a friend on a school night instead of worrying about like my like little seventh grade homework assignments. Um, so I really just wish I took more advantage of just having fun and, you know, hanging out with friends. And, you know, even though I do like playing clarinet and do like doing all the stuff I do, I just wish I had more time for things, all other things I like, you know, like hanging out with friends or like, I don't know, maybe I would have developed a hobby of some sort of like doing crafts or whatever, mm -hmm. but I never got the opportunity to fully explore stuff like that. Sounds like you're almost the inverse, I would say, of like a the average high school student, where as you get into maybe college or, or early adulthood and you start realizing like, I need to be less social and focus more on work, you know, and um, more on these other things that are positive habits, um, right? And, and there's a dichotomy in everything. You can go too far to one side and, and not enough to the other. You gotta find a spot in the middle. Um, and it sounds like you're kind of realizing, you know, maybe I uh, sacrificed a little too much of my, my social life um, to pursue these other things. And I'm realizing maybe that's not what I want to do anymore. And, and you're making some changes, which is fantastic, you know. And uh, again, why well, I wouldn't be too hard on yourself because it's, I think all kids kind of deal with maybe not that exact situation, but a situation where they realize 
uh, I'm, I'm spending too much time on doing this, you know, doing most kids have to say, I'm, you're spending, I'm spending too much time being social and it's ruining, you know, I'm not, now I don't have good grades or I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that. I have to be less social and start being more academic or um, just more focused on, on some of the things that are going to lead me to the path that I want to be on. Um, so even though it's a different situation, Rachel, I think it is, there is some similarities to maybe the average person's path of realizing, I need to make some changes, man, um, to improve my overall feeling. Um, Cause I know now as, as an adult, that's kind of where I'm like, I should start seeing my friends. And maybe that's COVID talking cause I never see anyone anymore. But uh, you know, sometimes that's so important. It's so important to just be around people that are, it's easy going, hang out, just talk about whatever. And um, definitely some good insight. Uh, what advice do you think you would give some other other people maybe that deal with the same challenges you deal with? Um, just have fun. Um, if you're like, you know, if you're doing like, again, I happen to be doing extracurriculars I like, but I know there's a bunch of people out there um, who do extracurriculars just for the point of, oh, I need it for college. You know, if you're, if that's your mindset, don't do it. Find something that you enjoy and then become dedicated to something that you like. And then, you know, you're not, you're not young for that long. You know, you, you're not going to be 17 again. You're not going to be 16. You need to have fun because a lot of stuff you're, you want to do now, you're not going to be able to do when you're in college, when you're in your thirties, you make the most of now. Um, you can't, you can't go back. Um, so honestly, just, just have fun, make the yeah. most of what you have now. Absolutely. And I think that's, that, that's important for people to hear no matter how old they are. Um, Cause there's plenty of times in college. There's a lot of time in college to have a lot of fun. Um, maybe even more than high school. Um, but then as you get older, you don't want to take that part of your life away, but your fun changes, obviously. Um, your body changes, your mind changes, right? I, I was, when I was in high school, if we had the internet and all these things that you guys had, I would have been up till two in the morning too. And had a really hard time going to sleep and, you know, had all the challenges uh, that kids have nowadays, like being on a phone, throughout class or, or being distracted by video games during class or whatever it is. I'm, I'm certain I would have had some of those issues. Um, and, um, you know, I would stay up till two, three in the morning during summer months and sleep all day. And, you know, I, I remember those things. And now I'm like, whew, eight thirty already time to hit the sack. Like I can't wait to go to bed. Um, but I have fun with my children. I have fun on the weekends, you know, playing with them and doing those things and remembering that, even as you age, that there's always time to have fun um, is important. And you are still very, very young. Um, and you have plenty of time to enjoy uh, the, fun, the fun parts of being young. Um, so I, I wouldn't stress too much about that. Um, but definitely that's good advice to remember to have fun. Remember to enjoy yourself. Um, so what do you think... Uh, makes uh, what do you think is different about being a Wheeling High School uh, performer rather than maybe being at some other schools 
Yeah, so I talk about this a lot. I have friends from so many, most of my friends, I don't say most, but I have a lot of friends who I made through my music endeavors that go to a bunch of different schools. And a lot of them go to, Wheeling is one of the best bands in the country, but a lot of my friends also go to some schools where they have some of the best bands in the country, like Hersey, Libertyville High School, uh, New Trier High School, just to name a few. And in their programs, you know, it's like um, for the musicians listening out there, um, they do smart music. They're like, you know, God sound good. God do this. Practice every day. Like, uh, but, it, you know, wheeling, we're like, you know, we're, we know we're good. Uh, we eventually get to the place where we, you know, sound amazing. But we're not all about, you know, smart music, this, 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 you know, we're, we're making music, but not everyone in band is as hardcore as me. Some are just doing it for fun. So some, I don't, I don't know why they're doing it, but uh, not everyone's like a hardcore music nerd. And, you know, we're there just having fun. Like we all do love music and we understand that we want to be good and we want to maintain our um, record as one of the best bands in the country. But we also recognize that, you know, we're in high school, band is supposed to be fun. So like my clarinet section, we tend to goof off a lot um like during sectionals and during uh we have like group chats that were like messing each other during rehearsals or even like virtually like we we have fun and I don't know like I consider my clarinet section either in wind symphony or marching in my family um because you know we come from all different backgrounds all different grade levels all different interests yet we're family and we all are really close friends and I don't none of my friends are as close with their section. They're not even friends of their section that I am close with my um, like peers and like section from Wind Symphony Marching Band. And some of my closest friends I've made through the band program. And we just have fun, like during rehearsals, Mr. Malik does some pretty like fun, interesting things. And like our band program is just about, you know, being a unit, uh, knit type group of people and we all do love music but we also understand like band is supposed to be fun make it fun um be a little crazy be a little interesting we there's definitely interesting things that happen in our band room I know we have like an alligator on top of a speaker that someone threw up there like four years ago and we never bothered to take down and like just stuff like that it's we're just about having fun while making music and again like a lot of other brand firms just like music we need to be the best in the country no fun no time for fun when we like we prioritize making fun and like doing stuff like that yeah that's that's really awesome that's interesting you brought that up uh you know just c continuing to make connections between music and athletics and, and um there is this push, right, in, in wrestling. If you don't know anything about wrestling, it's, it's got to be tough. You got to be super tough. You got to be serious. You got to da 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 And um, take everything super serious. And there's this big new kind of wave and push of enjoying it and having fun and not take, and be, take, trying to have a little bit of a lighter attitude. And I have some friends who are, who are that way. And I'm that way as a coach as a competitor, I don't think I was, I really enjoyed taking it super serious and being that way. But I think not all people are built the same. And what's going to make some one person really successful, maybe taking it super serious is helpful for some people, but other people need it to be a little more light and they need it to be a little bit more, you know, be allowed to make jokes and be allowed to kind of have a few minutes where it's, it, we're kind of goofing around and joking and having a good time. Um, 
and understanding what what each individual needs is important and what a what's going to get you know as a band you have to be a cohesive unit so one person wants to take it really serious well that's great for them and they should do it that way but somebody else who might need five to ten minutes at the end beginning or end of a class or practice session of making it light having fun talking with a friend that might get them more out of the practice session than than it would if they had to be serious the whole time um, and again, it, there's other things in there, like that puts a ton of pressure on people sometimes like, oh, this, what, this is so serious. Like, I'm just, I just want to play music kind of, you know, I'm not trying to uh, um, have a heart attack here. So it's interesting you brought that up. And I think that is something that's really important um, that sometimes some coaches, they want to be super serious and, and uh, coaches or teachers, it's, it's super serious. It's, it's, um, it's game time, you know, we're, you know, every, every second counts. And it's like, you're kind of probably hurting yourself more than helping yourself with that kind of attitude a lot of times. So Rachel, do you have any other thoughts, any other things you want to talk about today? No, we get, we cover a lot. We did cover a lot. So Rachel, I got one more question for you. The name of the podcast is what does it take? So Rachel, what does it take? to be a musician at Wheeling High School? Um, like everything I've mentioned before, it requires hard work, dedication, but you also need to have an open mindset. Um, everyone is different in the uh, fine arts and music program at Wheeling. Um, so just, you know, not blend in. That's, but, you know, be yourself, but also, you know, everyone's different, have fun. Um, again, Wheeling is definitely known for our fine arts. We have the best orchestras, choirs, orchestras, band, but you know, all the groups have fun. I've been in the or I've only been in the band orchestra and I've been in some musicals, but, um, you know, obviously put in your hard work and dedication and that will get you someplace, but, you know, also, you know, just have fun. I, that's been, seems to be a strong message I've been, um, explaining but you know all of these programs most people get their friends from whatever they're in um like most of my friends are from band you know just just uh you know be serious about your work but not too serious um yeah awesome i i couldn't agree more uh so rachel i it was a blast having you on i really enjoyed talking with you and getting to know you a little bit um until next time have a great day all right thank you you too take care rachel